1: This is a special report now reporting
2: the very handsome Jewish man, Peter Rosenberg.
3: It's six. When the clock struck six, it meant one thing. Can I just say one thing, Don? Sure. Um, you're not done. It stands, uh, but it's Don. not now
0: from the ESPN, New York news desk. Here's Rosenbaum or whatever that guy's name is. Now,
1: your show is number one. <laughs>
4: Good evening, everyone. If you were expecting anything in that intro to be actually true, you're very disappointed. It is not Peter Rosenberg. It is Anthony Pusick here on ENN Tonight. Ray Row. We are only on Ray Row, and I would like to start off by saying good evening to Dan. Oh, man. <laughs> and let's say good evening to our resident GM, Mike Tannenbaum.
2: You were learning. I was talking.
4: And let's <laughs> check in on our caller
3: from earlier.
2: Tommy.
4: Tommy had a rough day.
3: Rough day, rough night, rough week, whatever, yeah, pretty rough.
4: Rough day for Tommy. Yeah, Guys, let's get right to it. Um, Let's start off with Robert Sala giving us his update on Makai Becton. From my understanding, he's getting his second evaluation opinion tomorrow. Still doesn't look good. Obviously, all the information's out there for everyone to read. That's probably the inevitable, but like I've said earlier, it's just
1: sick for Makai. so. This season is likely over? Yeah, it's more than likely, more than likely.
4: Ends up being a chip fracture to his right knee. He suffered the injury yesterday um, at practice. He missed all of one game, all but one game, I should say, of the 2021 season because of a different injury to that same knee. You guys have talked about it a lot, but there is somebody who believes that the Jets can survive this, and it is Chris Canty. He was on Greenie earlier.
2: They'll be able to survive, but the offensive line coming into training camp was viewed as one of the strong points for the New York Jets. And that's why I was bullish on the Jets being able to exceed their expected win total by Vegas of five and a half games, because I thought that they were really strong on both sides of the ball at the line of scrimmage. But I don't think this is something that will stand in the way of Zach Wilson potentially taking that next step.
3: The five-and-a-half wins, by the way, I know we didn't talk about that, but the five-and-a-half wins is exceedingly low for this team. I mean, that's almost like a layup if you're trying to make a wager or 2 what well, Wouldn't you at think? One, at one why, point. Why, why is that? You don't think the five-and-a-half? I mean, five-and-a-half? This team won four games last year. You mean to tell me they're not two wins better
2: than they were a season ago? Well, you got yeah, it's also like who you play and when you play them. I mean, t- tell me the easy wins on the schedule.
3: Well, the final six are a little bit more accommodating than the first half of the season. I know that.
4: The public agrees with you, Dan. I believe at one point, I, I don't know if it's true anymore, but the Jets over five and a half was one of the highest bet oh.
3: over under totals of the season. I, I would donate blood to make that selection.
4: I don't even know if you have to do that. You I don't just, think you so, You yeah. just go right to the, right the sports books and make that pick.
2: <laughs> Thanks for the clarification <laughs> just on that. Ca-
4: just in case. If you thought you had to give blood.
2: I, I, I wonder if Dan's saying that because... Uh, you know, he has to go into that building all the time instead of trying to be uh, uh, objective here.
3: Well, it makes my job easier, A. But of course, I mean, I mean, like, you, you mean to tell me that the Jets, who win four games last year, they're you look at the roster on paper, it's, I think, better than it was a season ago. They're not at least a six win team? I mean, right. I'm not sitting here saying playoffs, six okay. wins.
2: Baltimore win or loss? Next. Okay. At Cleveland? Next. No. no with Jacoby Brissett?
3: Jacoby, Br- Deshaun Watson ain't quarterback in that team, Mike. So you think the New York Jets are going to go into Cleveland and beat the Browns? How about this? Jets could go two and two in the first four. They're Starting gonna off with C- the C- AFC
2: North is not easy. What's the other win you have for them, the Steelers? C- Cincinnati at Pittsburgh. Mitchell Trubisky. Okay. Dolphins at Green Bay, at Denver. Patriots, Buffalo, at New England. Chicago, that's a win. At Minnesota, that's a hard place to play. At Buffalo, Detroit's an improved team. They'll beat Jacksonville. At Seattle, at Miami. They're getting six. They're getting at least six. All right, I'll take a pint of your blood. Really? Yeah. You don't think they're getting six? I'm not a betting man. I'm just saying, like, they could,
3: but that's not – I'm not, not a betting league. man either, but I'm just saying, I mean, six – I mean, well, here, here, first and foremost, and I don't look at it necessarily like that, saying, you know, the, the, because we don't know how these teams are going to be when you line up to play them. Like, teams could suffer significant injuries. They could be worse than we thought that they were before the season started. It goes without saying, though, if they want to be better – they better win some games in the division. They haven't won a division game in two years. It's a hard division. I it mean, is. It, everyone
2: got better, and
3: well, the I, Patriots are the least talented team on paper.
2: I don't know if I agree with that. They have a really good quarterback, Mac Jones. Uh, he was a rookie last year and led his team to the playoffs. I mean, we, we had that, that playoff game work out. It was bad. Mm. Okay, we could talk about that playoff game. He like he actually played pretty well. It was the other side of the ball. The Patriots never forced Buffalo to punt once in that game. So, when we talk about all these emerging second-year quarterbacks, we bury the lead about Mac Jones. Mac Jones beat out a couple of really good quarterbacks eventually at Alabama. And what he's done in the pros has took the job from Cam Newton from day one, led his team to the playoffs. And to me, when I watched him in the Senior Bowl, I covered the game all week, he reminded me of a young Matt Ryan. Well, look, he had a good rookie season, but which direction is he going to go? Year
3: two, is he going to plateau? Is he going to get better? Is he going to take a step back? We don't know. I just don't like the weapons around him. I mean, like, you look at right now my uh, New England. Devontae Parker they acquired from the Dolphins, right, during the offseason. If the Dolphins really thought Devontae Parker was a threat to them, why would they trade him to the Patriots? Yeah, they had a surplus at that position once they acquired uh Tyree But to Kills. the Patriots, though. I mean, that's a team you, you, you don't want that guy to come back and burn you, though. You play him twice a year. It's a team you're competing with. I'm just not in love with what they have at the skill positions. That's all.
4: So we already have a debate on the over-under for the Jets win total. uh, PSA to go donate blood to the New York Blood Center. I think they do need it right now, actually. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, let's hear from Dan Graziano. He was on Barton Hahn earlier, and he was asked, of course, now that the news was relatively official that Makai Becton will most likely miss. The rest of the season should the Jets go after Dwayne Brown?
0: Dwayne Brown makes a lot of sense. And like you said, he's been in their building, you know, the last couple days. So there's probably a deal to be done there if if he's willing to take the role they have in mind for him, which at this point could now be a starting tackle role. Maybe that changes the discussions. Maybe they were looking at him for depth, and now it's more about being a starter. But in early to mid August, it's very difficult to find a starting tackle, right? Mm -hmm. Just kind of lying around because there's a shortage of them. And so there aren't a lot of teams that make them available. I know there was a report last week that the Bears were shopping Kevin Jenkins, who was a second-round pick of theirs just last year. But I, again, I don't know that that's a fit for the Jets, if, they, if he'd be of interest to them. But I mean, that's the kind of player you're talking about. Somebody else's, he doesn't fit here anymore kind of guy, and you hope that he, he fits better with you. So I'm sure they'll monitor, see what shakes loose as roster cuts start to happen in the next couple of weeks. But if you're looking for a veteran that you can rely on at one of those tackle spots right now, and you have Dwayne Brown there already, and you're talking to him about a contract, I would think it'd be a good idea to get something done.
3: Does Andre Dillard do anything for you? I mean, along the same lines as Tevin Jenkins, you know, in Philadelphia, he's kind of lost his spot, if you will, and hasn't really taken off like they would have hoped. They drafted Joe wasn't there when they drafted him. He he came in was he? Yeah. No. Well was he with the Eagles then still? I think so. In the 19 draft. Maybe Joe knows him a little bit. Because Joe didn't join the Jets until when? It was Not summer. Summer, So he might have still been with them during that draft process then in 19. So he probably has at least some backlog on Dillard. And Philadelphia took him um, in the first round that year. And he just hasn't necessarily taken off yet. So, I mean, But those are the stopgaps. And I, I just don't think... You're going to find necessarily that so called sure thing lockdown guy because if he was worth something, he'd be playing and promised for another team.
4: Well, Mike, you've touched on it and you've been through it. At this time of year, there shouldn't be a starting tackle, surefire starting tackle out on the free agent market. Unless there's something horribly wrong with that tackle, you're not going to get the guy that's going to for sure replace Makai Becton. Is Dwayne, basically, what the question is do, do the Jets believe Dwayne Brown is the best option? for them as a security blanket slash possibly starting tackle for them.
2: Yeah, I mean, Dillard's an interesting guy. He had really good feet coming out. You know, he wasn't a big, like, he had trouble displacing defenders in the run game. He He's never going to be that strong. But, boy, he had really good feet. I thought that was a. They, I think they traded up that year, actually, get in front of Houston to get him. That was a really smart pick when they drafted him. Could he fit that zone scheme that they play with the Jets? That's what I mean, because he's, as you said, not the biggest guy, right? Yep, that's right. Uh, But he's quick, uh, good athlete. He's an interesting name. Like, if we were building a team, guys, like, and you said to me, we could either have Dillard or Brown. Look for this year, obviously, if Brown's anywhere close to what he's been, that's a no-brainer. But like Dillard, to me, like, that's an interesting name.
3: And because of the Philly connection with Joe, you know, I'm just trying to put two and two together here. But, you know, back to the whole thing with Dwayne Brown, I'm going to quote the great Chris Rock, a man is only as loyal as his options are. Dwayne Brown, like they might have, you know, passed the, he might have went through the physical with the Jets, might have been talking to the Jets, but, you know, now this happens, his price tag just went up. His price tag might go up because of another team in the NFL. So I'm sure that he's probably sitting back waiting to see how this whole thing shakes out.
4: Keep it right here, 98.7 ESPN. We'll have it all covered, whether it be Dwayne Brown or another offensive lineman that the Jets assigned. When's you that first sure. game, by the way, Anthony? Oh, that'd be this Friday, Dan. I oh, think sure. Coverage starts at 6.30. You and Greg
3: That Greg's fired up, by the way. Talking today? Up. Oh, he oh. can't wait.
4: Oh, uh, he's gonna have the chicken.
3: He was he brought up the food. He brought up the food. You knew he would bring up the Very food. Very
4: important to bring up the food <laughs> Of course. Well let's let's get into unfortunately another injury in New York sports. It happened last night in Seattle. Matt Carpenter fouls a ball off his foot. Turns out it is a fractured foot. Uh, he's been uh, from a reclamation project to probably one of the most important pieces in the Yankee offense. Um, here's Aaron Boone on how big a loss Carpenter is.
0: Yeah, big. He's just become such an important factor in that room, and you know everyone loves him, and, and he's been incredibly productive. It's a blow, you know. Hopefully we get him back at some point. You know, get it, get the diagnosis and 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 how long it's going to be when he sees the, uh, you know, I think the foot specialist and everything. So, but we'll pick him up.
4: And if you ever wondered if an athlete knew when they were hurt, Matt Carpenter did.
3: I knew it was broke. Like, I knew something was wrong when I did it. But I thought that I could finish the bat and get that run in. Um, but then when I went to swing on the next pitch, I mean, as soon as I started to, like, plant and rotate on that back foot, my, like, lower body, like, gave out. And I wasn't able to, I mean, thankfully, I mean, probably the best thing that happened to swing and miss there. because if I'd have hit it and had to
0: run, I might have made it worse. So, but I knew it wasn't good.
4: Carpenter said he's hopeful he can return this year and why would he not want to heading into Monday batting 307 15 home runs and 37 RBIs in 47 games he even played some outfield when there were some injuries to Stanton and wanting to give Judge a little bit of a break just because of how good he was hitting it take took the spot of our our friend here on the this.
2: My Show. mom makes the
0: fantastic meatballs.
4: He was playing over Joey Gallo. That's how good he was hitting. Um, really tough blow for the Yankees.
3: The Yankees finally won a game without Joey Gallo last night. Currently, you're broken. Right. I, I I mean. He's been everything that you could have wanted and then some for them. You know, he was sitting there at AAA for the Texas Rangers, not really doing anything, hoping to get a major league shot. Yankees came calling. They gave him a million bucks to play this year. I think that is as good of a million dollars as Brian Cashman has ever spent. And even though if he never plays another game for the Yankees this year, I mean, what more could you have asked for? But uh, yeah, certainly something we're going to get into with uh, Aaron Boone when we have him on on Thursday, right?
4: absolutely and uh, of course broken foot you're gonna be out probably till September um, probably I'd, I'd imagine Severino is probably back before before Matt Carpenter, I would imagine um, I don't know course, if you could I,
3: I I just don't know if you can count on him coming back at all really no. I just don't know
4: and that, and like you said we'll ask Aaron Boone uh Thursday at four he will be on with us uh, here on 98 7 um something that happened earlier today actually I think our, our caller mm-hmm. Tommy <laughs> Yeah, Tommy in Connecticut wanted to talk about this. Uh the New York Rangers. He
3: was on hold for a long time. He was to be on fair. hold he yeah. was on
4: hold for a long time. But they, they named a the team captain. Um, not who a lot of Rangers Twitter expected it to be. It was Jacob Truba, the defenseman. He's the twenty eighth captain uh in team history. The last captain, of course, being Ryan McDonough from uh 2014 to 2015
2: and 2017 to 2018 here is Jacob Truba. I just want to thank Mr. Dolan, Turk and Drew for uh, trusting me with this honor. It's a privilege to be a Ranger and play in the city and definitely don't take it for granted to call the city home and build my life here so it's a place that that means a lot to me and I believe in this group and the group of players we have and I'm just very grateful for this opportunity and look forward to leading this team. Rangers President Chris Drury
0: talked about naming Truba the captain. Well, we all think Jacob's a perfect choice for captain for many reasons. Certainly since the minute he got here, he's, he's continued to grow as a leader within the organization. Things he does on the ice, off the ice, behind the scenes, uh, you name it. He's a perfect role model for, for our young guys, for our uh, older guys, for our veterans. Uh, he just chooses to do everything right, you know, day in and day out. Uh, we're thrilled uh, that he's going to be our captain.
4: Let's hear from Coach Turk, Gerard Gallant,
0: on Truba being named
2: captain. It's what our team thinks, and the players think he's a great leader. He showed that in his hockey game last year, the way he played for our team and the way he showed up every night. Something
4: interesting that he brought up, he had a uh, press conference on MSG at 3 o'clock to announce, uh, the Rangers did, I should say, to announce that he was going to be named captain. Uh, somebody asked him, I believe it was Vince uh, about who was essentially the captain for the team yeah. when he got here because, of course, there wasn't one with McDonough not there. And he said in his mind and the players' minds, it really was Henrik Lundqvist that was the captain until he left and that hole needed to be filled. And of course he's happy to do it, but I thought it was interesting. It was something I felt being a fan of the Rangers, watching the Rangers that it seemed like Henry Glumquist had that captain role. Um, and now it's Jacob Truba, 28th captain in Rangers team history.
3: But doesn't that surprise you a little bit? Because I, I I, would have thought my first inclination would have been Kreider in terms of seniority more than anything else. You know, not just because he had a 50-goal season or whatever, but I, I, I thought that Kreider, because he was the longest-tenured guy, you know, he would end up being the successor, but they went with Truba.
4: Other, other than Truba, he probably is the guy you'd see in most media scrums after a game. It was him. Uh, it was it was Kreider, it was Truba, it was Mika probably, and of course whichever goalie. Um, Mike, I'll ask you as a as a former GM, what is what is the importance of having the captains? You have your offensive captains, your special team captains, your defensive captains. Picking the right person for that and just knowing, is it more of what the coaches think, or do you really think it has to be a guy that the guys, the other fifty three guys on the roster respect?
2: Yeah, it's really about peer to peer respect. I mean, that's what captains and leaders do they, they put out fires they inspire people they handle problems and uh you it has to be what your peers think much more so than what a coach or the front office thinks so I always felt like the the tackle the captain position was something that had to be voted on by your peers but, but do
3: you guys from a front office
2: perspective get involved in that a lot or not really no you don't want to like you stay you, out of it you know uh great great story when coach Krzyzewski took over the dream team <clears throat> he had a whiteboard up there Started with LeBron. He said, LeBron, what do you want this team to stand for? He went through every guy on the team and said, okay, that's it. That's our culture. That's our standards. I'm not going to coach you guys. You guys are coaching yourselves. I'm just here to facilitate. There's such greatness in here. And that's really what you want the best teams to be, the ones that, hey, they set the standard. Player-led leadership is by far the most effective type. If you could do it, you know, and and, and I think you just want to make sure you have control of
3: the room. Right and if those guys can do it themselves, that's what you have your leaders for and, and certainly that's the goal when you're naming a captain
4: and Dan you knew you knew this a little unorthodox last year the Rangers had rotating A's I think they had about five or six guys that would uh, wear the alternate captain role at any given time yep but uh, truba said he reached out to all of them says he does not want to be treated any differently just keep the room the same way it was everybody kind of has the same roles and a bunch of the team uh, a bunch of his teammates uh, put out a video the Rangers put out on Twitter and I thought it was interesting to hear what Artemi Panarin had to say about Truba's captainship.
3: Jacob, Jacob,
4: congratulations, buddy! Happy for you, but I, th- I
3: still thinking I'm better choice.
4: Always nice to hear from Bread. Bread Who says he doesn't speak English, but we all know.
3: The Breadman cast the vote, English. by the way, for Jacob Truba. Oh, of course. he voted Truba.
4: Had to had to vote for Truba. Um. Another interesting name in the NFL, guys, uh, that might be on the market. Uh, Bears linebacker Roquan Smith has requested a trade after his contract talks with Chicago have reached an impasse. He put out uh, a tweet, a note. You know how this goes. He's been trying to work on an extension since April. He wrote that the new front office regime doesn't value him here. The eighth overall pick in 2018 was set to earn $9.7 million on his final year of his rookie deal. He was placed on the Pup List when he reported to camp late in July Uh, Dan Graziano again on Greeny talking about the Smith trade request
0: if, it, if this is a contract negotiation ploy by Roquan, we'll see if it works. And if not, out of the question, they could trade him. They've done some rebuild style moves this off season, Khalil Mack being the most prominent of those. I know they don't want to go complete tear down there, but, you know, if they're playing hardball with Roquan on a contract, it likely means that they have a value assigned to him, and, and he wants more than that. So if that's the case, they got to think about replacements, but I'm sure they could get a nice draft pick or two for Roquan.
4: Certainly somebody that I would think any contending team that has an issue at linebacker would, would want to pursue, no?
3: What do you think about him? are Are you a little disappointed in the way his career is playing out so far, Roquan Smith?
2: Yeah, I, I was asked about that before. I think Roquan Smith is a really good football player. Do I see greatness? No. I don't even know if I even see Fred Warner, to be candid. He's a, he's a good player. He has good speed. He doesn't impact the passer. You like to have him on your team, but certainly at the right price. I,
3: I, I just thought in Georgia... Watching him in college, I thought he was going to be a stud. I mean, he jumped off the tape to me when you watched him in, in in the SEC. I'm I'm a little surprised. I thought that there would be more at the next level. And then, you know, when he got drafted by the Bears, Mike, you think about the Bears, the, the history, defense, linebacker. You know, you thought that he would maybe fall in line there. It was like a perfect fit, but... Hasn't come to fruition. And now when you factor in the money, it sounds like they might be headed for a divorce here a little bit here. Maybe he goes someplace else and is able to jumpstart his career. We'll see. Um, What do you got next? Got
4: got some good news for Aaron Rodgers, guys. We love hearing about Aaron Rodgers. You want to hear it?
3: No suspension?
4: Yeah, it turns out that the use of ayahuasca doesn't violate the NFL's (laughs) drug policy. I'm sure they had to dust off some some form of a document to find out if that was anywhere on the policy. Uh, But it turns out that... We found out, of course, in 2020, he used the hallucinogenic drug in Peru. um, But NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy said it wouldn't have triggered a positive test result on either of the substance abuse or performance-enhancing substance policies. I guess my question is why not? Um, And, uh, I mean, obviously good for the Packers that he didn't or won't be suspended for this. But just to add to the fun of Aaron Rodgers uh, using psychedelic drugs in Peru. And as Mike said, do whatever you can to win.
2: Yeah, and and, you know, the bigger question to me is, like, when the K-Show is back up and running, like, will we see increased production after their time off and what they may or may not have done? I mean, that is what the New York City sports-loving community is awaiting to see. They, they, with, the,
4: with the ayahuasca,
2: I've dropped acid. I've taken mess. Oh, my God! <laughs> but not ayahuasca. So, I mean, one
3: has nothing to do with the other. No, but you're right. I mean, if, if you're going to sit there and go on a sabbatical and you're going to get involved with all these other things, right, you want to see the increased productivity. Wow, drugs hand.
2: must be great.
3: You never know. I'm surprised that's know. not like an after-school PSA, like drugs must be great, courtesy of uh, courtesy, Michael K. Courtesy of one Michael K. Yeah. In, in between Yankee games, they should have that as like a PSA. Hey, kids, take it from Michael K. Drugs can be great. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify?
4: Mike, I have a question for you. <laughs> uh, when you were a GM, what was the weirdest injury that you had to deal Not just, in, but like, did a player come to you and say, Mike, I got to tell you, I was I was swimming. I was swimming in my pool, and I fell out of the pool, and I separated my shoulder. Was there anything that you had to deal with like that as a GM? Any weird injuries that just kind of stick out at you going, I, I never had to deal with that one before?
2: Yeah, player X once fell in a shower, which was really weird. And like, How big was the shower? Uh, it was an away game and said so, so slipped in. Uh, so that that was one that, that was disappointing um, to say the least, but that, that, that would be the strangest one for me.
4: I wonder how many of those stories a GM actually believes. Um, here's a good one. Chris Sale, pitcher of the Red Sox, of course, has had a tough go of it uh, recently with a bunch of injuries. Well, let's add another one. He has, now has a season-ending wrist injury that he uh, got in a bike accident. Um, their ace, uh, the Red Sox ace, will have surgery, oh, had surgery on Monday, I should say, to repair his broken right wrist. Uh, but he is expected to be ready for spring training next year. The lock good that does now. The 33 year old appeared in just two games this season, throwing five and two thirds innings. He suffered a broken left pinky finger when he was hit by a line drive against the Yankees on July 17th. I believe that was off the bat of Aaron Hicks. Yes. Um, so really just not a lot of good coming out of Boston this year or uh, for Chris Sale. This has been a really tough year for
3: Can him. Can I be honest with you? Today when they posted that graphic like in, on, on Twitter saying that Chris Sale was going to have surgery, I didn't read the whole thing clearly. Like They put a picture up and like the, the words and the explanation and everything. I had just assumed I allowed my mind to go back to that day at Yankee Stadium. That he was finally getting surgery done on the comebacker from Aaron right. Hicks. I didn't even read it, and I didn't know till like you know a half hour later about this whole bike accident thing. And, and and I don't know, was he like? Did it say that he was going out to get lunch or something like that? You know what? I don't. I don't, I, I I just saw a
4: broken wrist on bike accident. Dude, and that get was like what an, was get
3: Uber Eats or something. Have them show up to your crib
4: with the food. You hear Ma- the Madison Bubgarner Garner situation, the Fernando Tatis right. situation. You look and you think, how can these guys that their Their bodies are so valuable to them. Put themselves in situations where they could get hurt. Because I wasn't Madison Bumgar on like an ATV or something like yes. that. Yes. So that that of course you don't have to do that. Now if Chris Sale wants to get his exercise and bike and you know he falls off of it, that's unfortunate. But I mean broken wrist and and now out out for the year. Uh, a tough break for what him. What would you
3: say that? What would you say the percentage of these like weird kind of fluky injuries like you hear like this? You know that happen away from the field. What percentage of the stories that actually get reported or the causes that get reported are actually true?
2: 25%. Interesting. Wow. I could believe that. I knew
3: it was going to be low. I didn't know it was going to be that I could, low. I, I could believe that. Although, I'll tell you this. To be honest with you, our good buddy that um, does a great work on, uh, on SNY doing some Met games occasionally, Jerry Blevins. I think it was in 2015. Like, Jerry had an injury, and he, he was on the comeback trail from that. And... Right as he was about to be activated, he got hurt again, and the story was that he like slipped and fell off a curb or something like that. That's a steep. Curve. And I thought that that was like a complete hoax. I thought it was nonsense, didn't believe it. But lo and behold, like now having you know working with Jerry known him a little bit, and he basically said yes. He's like, I get that all the time. It was true. Would happened. That's really. He's like, I'm a klutz. It whatever. But yeah, but most of them I don't believe them. I'm with Mike. I don't two, believe. Them. Two of my favorites: Joel Zumaya,
4: former closer for the Tigers, moving guitar hero. Oh, guitar hero! A carpal tunnel. Didn't from Zumaya hero. have another Do one too with moving? Do you believe that? From Guitar Hero, it would be it would be pretty incredible if you play that. First of all, you have to play a lot. A lot to, of Guitar to, Hero to to develop carpal tunnel. Same thing with David Price. Remember that uh, when he was with the Red Sox, that he had to skip a start because he felt he had carpal tunnel from playing too much Fortnite or whatever it was. Right, Fortnite. So. Mike saying, do you believe that, leads me to believe that is not what happened. Um, People actually
3: get more cases of carpal tunnel that uh, are produced playing guitar hero than actually playing real guitar, ironically enough.
4: Right, how about that? Yeah. Um, Some sad news in the tennis world, Dan. Ooh. Um, Serena Williams wrote an essay today and says her tennis career is winding down. She wrote it on Vogue. Um, She cited a desire to grow her family and suggested that this year's U.S. Open could be her final tournament now of course she has 23 grand slam titles um she doesn't like the word retirement prefers to think of it of a stage of her life as evolving away from tennis retirement towards other things that are important to her um williams is playing this week in toronto ahead of the u.s open which begins here in new york near city field of course yep uh, on august 29th pam shriver was on get up when the news broke um and she was asked if she was surprised by this announcement
1: Not really a surprise. I feel like the year off between Wimbledon 2021 when she injured her hamstring, the loss to Harmony Tan a little over a month ago. And I feel like it was a very conscious decision to make this push towards the U.S. Open. I think in the year off, she realized she wasn't in it long term, but I think for her, the decision to end her career at the place, it overwhelmingly looks like it's the U.S. Open from everything she said. And that's where she won her first of 23 majors in 1999. So I think it is coming full circle, and a lot of times athletes like to have that feeling of coming full circle and coming out on their own terms.
4: She also talked about Serena impact on tennis?
1: She has impacted tennis on the court, off the court. She's taken tennis off the sports pages into pop culture. She bridges, you know, really people of all generations and a diversity of backgrounds. She's become a great spokesperson, a philanthropist. She's matured before our eyes. Sure, she's had moments at the U.S. Open that have been difficult for her and for us to watch. But in the end, she's going to go down as one of the great athletes not just in tennis but in sports history when you think about her longevity winning majors as a teenager in the 90s and still competing in 2022 and her record in the olympics in uh, in major doubles finals with venus 14 and oh i could go on and on <sighs> at the impact she's had look speaking from
4: from my experience being 28 years old every i didn't watch tennis as a young as a younger person but I always knew that whenever there was a big tournament I always heard Serena Williams in the quarterfinals grand final Serena Williams wins it felt like that every year until I started watching and I went to the U.S. Open and it was an awesome atmosphere uh, to see stuff like that but Dan um, I know you're a big tennis fan are you shocked are you surprised hearing that Serena's Thinking about winding it down, we won't use the R word because she doesn't want us to use the R word?
3: No, not at all. I I, I kind of echo what Pam said there. Because if you think about somebody of her stature as an athlete, and anyone will tell you this, she's got nothing to prove. Nothing whatsoever. And she's not going to go through all the work and the training and the fitness and to get ready and enter these tournaments if she feels she can't win them. You know what I mean? I mean, nobody's just going to go out there and compete to compete. The great athletes are not going to just go out there if they know they can't win and they're going to get embarrassed and lose to lesser players. Like she mentioned the Harmony Tan in Wimbledon this year. You know, the, the, the Harmony Tan's not even, you know, in, in the same stratosphere as Serena Williams at their best. But she's 40 years old, soon to be 41. I've always said there's parallels between her and Federer on the men's side. They're both almost identically the same age. Roger just turned 41 yesterday. Happy birthday to Raj. He hasn't played since Wimbledon of 21. Um, And his time is going to be winding down, too. And it's it's the end of an era, and it was a pretty damn incredible one. Bless you.
2: Yeah, it's hard not to be inspired by their story and – uh, not sure if everyone saw the Will Smith movie. It was incredible. So the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's obviously an all-time great um, and is really, like, as Pam Shriver said to me, like, you could compare her, her to other athletes that were truly transformational. Hard to compare it to Steffi Graf or Monica Seles or Margaret Court. To me, she's much more in the ilk of the Michael Jordans of the world, the, the truly transformational superstars, the generational talent. So, um it's interesting. Like I'm sure, like for her, like the storybook ending would be to win in Flushing next month and then, you know, go off into the sunset.
3: Yeah, but- and look, it's unlikely, right? But I mean, it's been great box office, right, for 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 the U.S. Open. But the the thing about Serena, which is which is you know, I I think which has helped her to a certain degree in terms of even just like trying to get tennis some popularity in this country. If you look at the the goats if you will, that are playing right now. We've been lucky as tennis fans over the last 15 years. We've had Serena on the women's side. On the men's side, you got Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal, which they're still technically all active. Those are arguably the three greatest players of all time on the men's side. All time. And they're all playing in the same era. But they're all Europeans. Worldwide, they're they're rock stars. But here in the United States, maybe not as popular, Serena being American, the fact that she's accomplished as much, if not more, than any player in the history of women's tennis, I think does wonders for her in terms
2: of her iconic status here in America. By the way, this comment it could be apropos of nothing, but I did get a chance to play golf with Rafael Nadal, who probably could have been a pro golfer. Guy is an yes. unbelievable athlete.
3: Tremendous. And he loves he's – a, he's a huge golfer. Huge
2: golfer. Where would you play ten, uh, golf with Nadal? So he has a uh, annual event. Um, I played like, last year before uh, COVID in uh, Majorca uh, in his hometown. It was an unbelievable event. Really proud to. What have. were you doing in Majorca? I got invited to his event. How? Can I go to the event? Name I want to drops
4: vi- by Mike Tannenbaum on CNN. Like,
2: like seriously, Actually, of so, all
3: the names that I that I, if you would have said, what name will Mike Tannenbaum drop today? Rafael Nadal's name would not
2: be on the so, list. How did you get invited to Majorca? I was asked to speak there, and anyway, in Spanish or English? I can't confirm nor deny that, but what I no, can, no 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 no, no. Yeah. I need to know this. You no, know, I've done some work for his, some of his corporate sponsors and got invited over there, and. Um, What was really fun and interesting that I really had unbelievable respect for him was, so we stayed at the Rafael Nadal Tennis Academy, Mm -hmm. and it was an unbelievable event. You could tell how much he was giving back to his hometown, but what was the coolest thing of all was they gave me the suite of Roger Federer, and in the Rafael Nadal Tennis Academy was an entire suite that paid complete honor to his rival, Roger Federer, that had all his accomplishments. That's incredible, and it, and it, it like it really moved me that a they thought enough of me to give me the suite for the for the tournament. I was there for three nights, but the other that that Nadal would have the class, dignity, and honor as he's building this in, in this compound, this academy of courts and buildings and schools and gyms and fit like he. It's all about him and his hometown of Mallorca, Spain, and in the middle of it. Where the, like, it's kind of like a hotel suite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's hard to explain because it's a little bit like a dorm, a little bit like a hotel. But this beautiful suite that they gave me was Roger Federer's, and it was like, uh, like they honored him, like, the, like all the decorations on the wall, all the photos. It was all about Federer. And I thought that said so much about Nadal. That's my favorite athlete of all time.
3: No kidding. Federer. Yeah. That's I, my guy. I stayed in his room. That's You yeah, got pictures? I do. Yeah, I, I want to see that during the break. How about that? That
4: that'll do it. What am I supposed to do? How about that's that? it. I'm,
1: that's, that. no, but we gotta get
3: to the bottom of this, There's though. No, Mike other Tannenbaum way to NDN. No. Mike Tannenbaum gets an invite to the Rafael Nadal Academy in Mallorca, Spain, to speak. To speak. And he's just hush about this whole thing. It's almost as good as. Andrew
4: Gunling saying not telling anybody that he went on vacation with Jay Z and Beyonce. Beyonce, right? They were friends at the uh, the. Oh, by the way. Oh, by the way, me and Jay Z and Beyonce are very close.
3: See, the oh by the way could work for you and it could work against you. Yes. Like this one, it, I, I hate the fact that it's six thirty. We only have a half an hour, and I I, I only learned about this now. Well, that is E N N for the for today. We will do it again
4: tomorrow.